Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Have you ever been driving along and um, all of a sudden notice that nothing looks familiar? Maybe you took the wrong turn or Google Maps has uh, deceived you perhaps once again and nothing really makes sense? It's uh, it's the most curious time to be alive. 2020 has kind of turned us all on our heads and the old school narrative of that oh-so-long-ago year of 2019 seems so far away. And here we are in 2021. Imagine that. And um, I think a lot of people on the planet are, they're in a new mindset, a new frame of mind, if you will, in that perhaps working at home for the year, perhaps, being forced to um, not go out and and kind of stay with themselves and and maybe some of the junk in their trunk has come up to the surface or um, perhaps uh, two people in a relationship that typically had the chance to go to work and have some me time now both spouses are working from home and it's we time 24-7 and uh, it's maybe not as graceful as they thought it might be. Well, tonight's a wonderful, wonderful episode to help us put our hat back on, to help us get back on the right road, to, to help us feel a, a sense of connectedness to where we're going and what we're doing. The topic tonight is Meditations for the Soul, and our guest tonight is Dr. Neil Lundgren. We're going to bring him on in just a minute, but I just want to go a little bit further with this this notion of getting a sense of, of where we are, getting a sense of connectedness with our life. I use the metaphor of getting lost while you're driving because I think we've all experienced that at one point or another. And it can be kind of disconcerting to to lose that uh, sense of self. And so many people are really going through stress and anxiety and just raw fear about some of the narratives that are playing out on the planet. And what I like about tonight is we're going to talk about a wonderful book, Meditations for the Soul. You know, when you get back on the on the road, you get back to something familiar, you get back connected to what your intentions are, you just feel better. You do. You do. And... 2020 was a gigantic bump in the road. <laughs> 2020 was a bit of a, um, lost in the weeds, out in the woods kind of year for a lot of people, and and they're looking to get reconnected, back on track. And I suggest the 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 most powerful medicine for that is to reconnect with ourselves, to reconnect with a a deeper aspect of ourselves, a more intuitive aspect of ourselves, uh, a wiser aspect of ourselves. And and again, I, you know, enough, I think we should get right to it because I'm sure we're going to run out of time. There's so much material in this. Again, the topic tonight is Meditations for the Soul. It's the, it's the name of uh, Neil Lundgren's book, Dr. Neil, and uh, that's the topic tonight. Now, Neil is a therapist, a former Benedictine monk, a poet, and a musician. 
He received he received his doctoral degree from Emory University in psychological, philosophical, and religious thought, and has taught courses at St. John's University, Emory University, and Pacifica Graduate Institute. You can learn more about Neil at neillundgren.com. That would be N E A L E L U N D R. No, I'm L U N D G R E N dot com. Feel free to look up his website while we have this talk. Join me in welcoming Dr. Neil to the show. Neil, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Les, and I love your introduction. When you speak of, you know, this year that we've we've had that's been quite surreal in many respects for uh, the planet, and how do we get? You said how do we get back on track? And yes, we've had this. A lot of us have had uh, uh, this we stuck in uh, these cubicles of our lives, and they've been extremely stressful, especially. If those of us who have families and children, uh, others of us have been isolated and and lonely if we haven't been with families and and unable to make those connections that we were so used to making when we were just living life, living on automatic. And so I believe that this year has been an amazing year of introspection in getting on the right track with ourselves to get out of that automatic that may have just been a more of a superficial glide through life where we had everything sort of set for us, all the routines. But in some ways it may have been like Groundhog Day. Uh, so right. this in this last year I've seen so many clients who've come to me with a lot of different stressors but on the other hand, there has been a wonderful uh, openness and receptivity to get on track with that, as you say, Les, that deeper aspect of the self, that more wise aspect of the self that I call in my book uh, the inner monk uh, the, the, or the inner mystic. The inner monk uh, is more about seeing from that wise center, which is our soul, our authentic self. The mystic is more of the connector, that person that connects, uh, that person within us that connects from that deep place of the heart. So you have awareness and you have love and you have that capacity of uh, mining and activating these, what I call in the book, senses of the soul. The soul has a sense of touch, just as the body does. The soul has a sense of hearing. The soul has a sense of taste, smell, etc. And when that soul gets those senses activate, activated and then channels those through the physical senses, uh, life becomes not only worth living, but becomes a vibrant adventure. Very nice. Now, if if we were quite content living in our lives in 2019 when there was no proverbial rototiller digging up our shoes, <laughs> um, if, in other words, if our only sense of self has been our ego, perhaps, or our little mind, and then you come along with a book mm-hmm. talking about meditations for the soul. Let's take a, yes. a step back and 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 get some terms defined, so so we have a concrete idea of what we're talking about, and and we'll work through the um, re- our relationship with our soul and how to mend that. So when you talk about um, soul, if if this is 2019 and my life's doing great and and I don't have any need for spiritual growth or consciousness or meditation. Mm-hmm. And 2020 comes along and turns me on my head. How does the soul even fit into this equation of, quote, me, unquote? Well, it's a great question because the soul's a great reader. 
the soul reads into experience, whereas you have the material mind, let's say, and the soul mind. So let's define some terms. The material mind basically runs on a program. The soul mind basically reads through those programs and says, you know, uh, maybe, maybe all of what is happening has this larger purpose that I can't quite see or grab a hold of, but the soul knows how to wait, and the soul knows how to, again, see through insight. So I, in my book, I have this, the, the, this, these stages, shall we say, of the seeker. The dweller seeker is just run by the programs of the material mind. You know, everything is just scooting along just fine, and that's the material mind. Uh, or, you know, the, the life of struggle or the life of the victim. I mean, it's not that the material mind, you know, has always a great time. In fact, the material mind moves from pleasure to pain. Uh, it's a roller coaster generally because that is the ego mind. That's the little mind, the material mind, that wants what it wants now and doesn't want any kind of discomfort. The soul mind, on the other hand, doesn't read uh, life in, in that way. It, it reads life more uh, as the earth reads life, as the earth reads its own seasons, the intelligence, shall we say, of spring and summer, and fall in winter. These are movements and cycles of losing and gaining, thriving and um, uh, dissolving. And the soul sees from this, this um, vantage point, which allows it itself to have much more of a handle on the bigger picture, where Sometimes we might read something as, oh, God, this was, this was an awful experience. But that awful experience from a, a broader viewpoint might be, oh, my God, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. Right, yeah. So the soul can, can see from a larger view. But shall we say the dweller seeker is lost in the program. But at some point, the dweller seeker becomes a questioner. Basically, the questioner happens a little bit around adolescence, but after adolescence, the adolescent might stop questioning and then just kind of fall into the program of the dweller who accepts all of what uh, canned uh, reality is presented it, whether it's, it's ideology, the politics of the parents, the education uh, of its tribe, uh, its culture, whether it's Africa or South America, Europe or the United States, it doesn't matter. It just follows the program. But once it begins to question, which happens around adolescence, but unfortunately, very, very brief window. But if one can begin to be a questioner and move out of the negative questioning of, no, this is not true, no, this is not real, I don't like this, but all of a sudden the questioner becomes um, – more interested in opening itself up to experience in, in all of its richness, then the questioner seeker moves out of the rebel and in, in more into the wanderer. And that is the, that, that seeker that really goes on a journey. Some people go on that journey through travel to different countries. But if you do, you can't go as a tourist if you're going to go from your soul mind. The material mind goes as a tourist. The soul mind goes on pilgrimage. It really wants to, to discover its purpose and the, its, its real richness. And, and this, is, this is very important, what I want to say to the listener is, the soul comes in this world with a variety of purposes. It comes in with a hundred purposes. Uh, it could come just to enjoy the earth. It could it could come into the world to enjoy the play of sex or marriage or children. Or it can it it wants to forge and master a skill or a career, etc. But the soul also has an overriding purpose, overriding purpose of why I am here, why you are here, why each of you are here in this world traveling in a body in physical space and time what is your overriding purpose and that is the the koan shall we say the riddle 
of existence. And that can, for that to be answered less, one has to move from the questioner of why am I here and uh, uh, what is my purpose. One has to move to who am I, what am I, what is my essence, where is my, where is my genuineness. And for that to happen, one has to get seated somewhere. One has to really go vertical and become what I call the aspirant seeker, the aspirant, someone that aspires to authenticity and their genuineness that can only really be forged with some kind of getting seated as the Buddhists like talk like uh, to talk about the getting seated in, at the, this, with the seat of the witness and really really looking at uh, how this world is put together and how our material mind is constructed and what are we really meant to accomplish in this world and I believe this last year I have seen uh, students of mine and clients of mine really. Uh, uh, upgrade that whole journey through the, through the difficulties of this last year. You know, it's curious because when I look at my own life dynamic, um, 2020 happened in about 20 minutes <laughs> in my life when the cosmic work <laughs> back open. And before that moment, I didn't have uh, the slightest notion of life being anything but what it was. You could think of it as 2019. I was a television broadcast engineer working in a big television network and and a father and a man and all this stuff. And my sense mm-hmm. of self was, was a very um, easy thing for me to die. I felt like I knew who I was and, and whatnot. And then along comes this cosmic two-by-four and cracks me upside the head. And that changed my life like a bug hitting a windshield. And and now, um, as a result of that, I've written books. I'm a radio show host. I'm a, I'm a philosopher of consciousness. <laughs> and, mm, wonderful. And... and um, I just rounded 60 years on this planet, and I feel like I'm getting younger. I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm more curious about what I enjoy. I'm more curious about an immersion. You know, w- when the notion to first write a book came into my mind, my ego would just bitch slap it to the curb because my ego didn't see myself as a writer. And it was the mm. inspiration of my heart and my soul. And now mm. that I've written books, I I get great joy from writing books. And my mm. my point is, when I get a new inspiration from from my heart and my soul, I see it as Christmas, as getting a, a new possibility, a new potential of where mm. my life will go from this moment forward. So when when we talk about the soul... Can you share, I mean, what if we were to back your life up to perhaps before the journey, maybe in your teenage years, I'm not that familiar with your life. What I'm looking for is a before and after, because now as you've yes. emerged, uh, merged with your soul, how has your life changed? Well, let's, if, I, if I back up, I was a professional musician, and uh, as a very young, young man, I was a recording artist with Columbia and Capitol Records, uh, and uh, I lived a life of, uh, of I would say, uh, sort of bohemian cool success in those days, you know, in the, in the early 70s and uh, in the 60s as well. And I was a wanderer. I just... Uh, I just I wanted to drink the elixir of life, and that began to take a turn. And I was a, uh, one of the main uh, songwriters and, and performers and musicians in this wonderful, wonderful music band uh, that was uh, playing American roots music uh, called Manchild, and we traveled. Uh, uh, all through the United States and played these magnificent, wonderful, wonderful concerts, both intimate and college concerts. And we were uh, 
um, you know, playing our music. Our music was being played on the underground radio, et cetera, in those days. Um, many of our listeners might not even know what underground, what I'm saying when I'm saying underground, but there was an underground FM radio that uh, uh, that every artist uh, of uh, uh, some import wanted to, to be a part of. But th- th- something happened on the road, Les, and I began reading. I just wanted... I wanted an education. I didn't really have a lot of education in terms of, of uh, you know, going to college. I had a couple of years behind my belt in the university, but not, I wanted to read. And I and I I picked up novels of Tolstoy and Dostoevsky and especially Herman Hesse's uh, novels, Siddhartha uh, and uh, Narcissus and Goldman. And I began reading those. So as, the, as, as my bandmates were going out in the town after we would play a gig or a concert, I'd be pouring both in the, in the van and then in the hotel room. I would be pouring, pouring through these stories. And these stories were about the journey of the soul. Because every one of these stories, someone would leave a village or go into some kind of monastery or go into the mountains or the desert to go on this vision quest. And I went, yes, that's what I want to do. And we were set to do a second uh, album uh, with Capitol Records. Our first was a uh, critical success, but the second one, uh, they wanted to be a hit. And so uh, they were ready to go for it. And that's when I left the band and I said no uh, I'm I'm out I'm going to search for uh, for my soul and so a, a companion and I a friend a friend a buddy and I we, we said let's go on a journey through Europe and North Africa and we did that for about three and a half four months five dollars a day lived off the road it was a harrowing harrowing journey that I can't go into tonight uh, it would take four hours to even, you know, give you an introduction. But it was an amazing time when we were practicing the presence just uh, by the seat of our pants. And it was during those months when I, uh, we, we were in a church. In fact, it was at the beginning of our journey. We were we were in this church in Orléans, France, and we, we were freezing cold because our, our sleeping bags were really not appropriate for February in France. And we walked into this church, and uh, my buddy Bill was bilingual, so we talked to the priest about could we just stay in the pew, and the priest said, no, we're going to be locking the church, but there's a monastery about 20 kilometers from here, and they'll be able to maybe give you a, a, a rest for the night. And so we hiked uh, almost the 20 kilometers in, couldn't make it the whole way. We put up our tent, and the next morning uh, we then, you know, uh, uh, made our way to the gate. And this uh, monk, uh, this in silence, uh, Brother Philip, I can I'll never forget his name, basically brought us in, and they fed us, and we, uh, they, they, they gave, they brought us to a cell. Each of us had our own monastic cell. And we uh, we ate and we prayed and sang with these Benedictine monks last for about two or three days. And then as we left, they gave us uh, fruit as we were leaving, Brother Philip, with a smile, and we were on our way. And then we went through, of course, Spain and North Africa, through the uh, across the Atlas Mountains, through uh, Algeria and Tunisia, and then up through uh, Sicily and Italy and Europe, etc., uh, and uh, com- and uh, continued our journey, but when I, when we returned home, and and we were uh, both students at Loyola uh, University, a Jesuit university, uh, my friend Bill ended up uh, going into the Jesuit novitiate. But uh, the Jesuits looked at me, and there was this mu- uh, musicologist, uh, uh, Father C. J. McNasby, and he took me to the side, and he said, uh, Neil. Uh, you're not really meant to be a Jesuit. You know, you, you want to meditate. You want to, to you know, you're much more of a contemplative. You're a good, you're a musician. We Jesuits, we're very worldly people. So I, I had contacted the abbot in this monastery in Minnesota, and I want you to go up and, and introduce yourself to him, and, and maybe, uh, maybe the Benedictines might be a place for you to uh, search, to continue your seeking. 
And uh, that's what I did, and I ended up uh, staying around seven years, two in the seminary and uh, um, five or so in the monastery. And so is that is that a little bit of a backstory for you? Oh, oh, certainly. But the let's let's tie it in. And I mean, I love that introduction because you take us from the um, using the metaphor that we've been using the 2019 sense of yourself as a musician. Yeah. And now and yes. now you've made the the evolution into your journey, so to speak. Now, now let's tie it into the book as as you uh, embody your soul more and more as you go through your life, what attributes or traits of your life, I mean, just to sum it up, um, uh, I don't, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, how has your life changed the more you embody your soul? Well, uh, you know, we have to talk about the senses of the soul. We have to talk, to also, talk also about what I learned in the monastery, which was meditation and meditation in action. Uh, meditation, I learned, was the penetrating and receptive stillness of awareness. And to learn that in that monastic round of prayer and work, the Benedictines followed uh, this motto from the 6th century, uh, Ora et Labora, which translated, you could say, means prayer and work, but also meditation in action. And so every day, whether we were working in the fields, whether we, were, we worked with our hands, we worked with our minds, we worked with our spirit. And uh, in so doing, moving through this daily round and rhythm of activity, not even using a watch, but, but uh, going by the, the sound of the, of the bell tower, by the gong of the bell tower, the hour ringing, the quarter hour, the half hour, uh, the three-quarter hour, etc., and living in that rhythmic um, relationship uh, with nature, and there, I think there was about 2,300 acres of bird sanctuary and foxes and beaver and deer, etc. And so I spent a lot of time uh, communing uh, in solitude, uh, but not really solitude, because there was an intimacy that I experienced with nature. And so these qualities of this penetrating and receptive stillness of awareness, the quality of silence, practicing silence less, not as the absence of noise, but silence is listening. Listening and breathing in and breathing out in rhythm with the nature around me. That I had an experience one day in the forest of experiencing this deep sense of awareness and love, a, a kind of a cosmic consciousness moment where my soul and I felt all souls in nature at the deepest level were kin. There was a kinship and that was a powerful experience. And so the qualities of developing the senses of soul, the sense of touch, is the sense of kindness. The kindness that one breathes in follows the awareness with the breath and follows breath with the awareness. But what you add is that important ingredient of kindness and warmth, and that activates the soul sense of touch and the soul sense of sight is activated with vision when you cognize the ultimate so when you're in meditation and you visualize the 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 most infinite image of what you might think perfection or beauty or love or enlightenment is that begins to activate the soul's sense of sight soul sense of hearing is attunement and that is that that listening the silence of listening and attuning to the vibration the vibration at, at, that is within the hum shall we say of the bee that is within 
the whir of the wing of the bird that is within the voice of the chanting monk, that there is this deeper hum and vibration uh, that is deeper even than the heartbeat of all animals and humans. It is the heartbeat of creation itself. And so one begins to attune to this deeper rhythm. One becomes embodied. And so the great quality that I experienced, and I give thanks to these years of my being a monk, is I really brought that that soul wants to become embodied, fully embodied and incarnate in the flesh of the body in order to do and find its purpose in the world, which brings us back to our original conversation. And so when I left the monastery, and uh, it was time for me to leave, it was time for me to move uh, more into the world. Uh, And very, very quickly, less I lost first of all it was like coming from the planet Saturn <laughs> when I returned back to the world it was uh, thank goodness I returned to to um, uh, to studies at Emory so I was studying for my doctorate so it was still not exactly all the way in the world as a psychotherapist with with very uh, in uh, a lot of uh, dear dear souls who were suffering from a variety of pathologies and a variety of um, uh, struggles that uh, I slowly entered the world, but very, very quickly lost this whole sense of the soul's rhythm with the body and the body with the soul. And I just got, I, I just got pulled back into the, the uh, chaos of, of the world and, um, the struggles of making a living, and uh, yeah, I became uh, I was a husband and father, and all of that, and that was uh, was a beautiful experience. But I really got so easily pulled from my center, uh, and it took me a while to regain my grounding in the soul mind, and that happened actually after my studies and after I became a psychotherapist and was working in, in a hospital setting that I, I, I had to, to, to look at those tools that I had not really sharpened in a, in a, in a while. And I began sharpening some of those tools. And in so doing, I began to use that front row and center in my therapy with clients. The uh, aspects of, mindfulness aspects of opening these senses of the soul through various means. Does that make so, sense? Sure. The uh if if somebody's coming into twenty twenty one and and they want a, a more anchored sense of self perhaps to take the turmoil out of change. Mm-hmm. Um how does how does meditations for the soul um, work as like an entry level to uh, what should I say, a spiritual journey? I mean, perhaps it hasn't crossed my radar that I something like this would benefit me. How is this book for somebody just starting out? Well, the, uh, it is. I, I I purposely designed the book. First of all, the chapters are very brief. And uh, there are these introductions to these uh, meditations and what I call awakening exercises. They're only five and ten minutes long. And so first rooting in the breath and then utilizing breath techniques, visualization, and affirmation, one has direct experience of activating the senses of the soul. And so they're very brief. So if you live, especially in this uh, era, you don't have to go to a mountaintop. You don't have to be a monk and spend seven years to get it. What I've attempted to do is is put uh, uh, simple exercises, but yet very effective in, in uh, ones uh, for the reader, so that they can uh, uh, two pages in and they have this meditation uh, where I lead them through certain breath exercises less and then through visualization, which is a very powerful way of focusing the awareness focusing the awareness and getting energy 
and then affirmations, which are, are wonderful for the, the establishment of positivity and removing the negativity in our lives. So it's all about these, these exercises. They are progressive, but part one is really about removing negativity and activating the senses of the soul. And then part two is about practicing the yogas. And I um, uh, teach seven yogas in part two uh, based on my training with uh, a yogi for many years uh, after I completed my doctorate uh, in these yogas. The yoga of the mind, the yoga of the heart, the yoga of selfless action, the yoga of beauty, the yoga of energy, the yoga of sublimation. You know, how do we... How do we take the difficult and turn the difficult in the, into the easy? <laughs> so, there, so I use, um, uh, utilize these, these yogas, which in yoga comes from the Sanskrit word yuj, which is about unifying. So unifying all of what is contrasted, all uh, of what is opposing in us, what is divided in us to unify that. And there is a genuineness that begins to emerge where when you, when you get these senses activated, you feel more alive. So would you like to feel more alive, Les? Well, certainly. The, um, I mean, yeah, speaking like- from that person that you're saying, not you, because you know, you've, you're, you're, you're an advanced seeker, you've written books, I'm saying, but you, you were saying to me, if I was this person, why would I be interested in this book? If you wish to become more alive, perhaps oh, yeah. something in my book might aid you. Well, in, in removing negativity. I mean, when you talk yes, about meditations yes. for the soul, uh, a lot of times the um, our egos can uh, get uh, stuck in a pattern. Maybe it's uh, emotional mm-hmm. bickering with our spouse. Maybe it's um, tension with our boss. And and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the ego can really kind of suck at taking a big step back and looking at it from a fresh dynamic. And and what I like about your book is um, our our soul, I mean, we could. Our soul has a perspective of wisdom and understanding of not only the minutiae of our day in and day out life, but as you said earlier in the show, the the reason we're here, and to to remove negativity that might have yes. got stirred up during 2020, and 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 show a bigger picture for our life can bring a deep sense of kind of a relief because if we're just drifting along with our ego pulling all the knobs and turning all the levers, trying to understand, trying to negotiate a path through life without that bigger vision, that bigger roadmap from the soul, it can make a big difference. A huge difference. In fact, in one of uh, the chapters of my book, In Mind Yoga, rather than I mean, I could go on and on about very, very high-level, advanced teachings of how to connect with the witnessing mind. What I attempt to do is say, well, what happens when you get into an argument? What happens? How do you unhook? How do we unhook from the dramas, the daily dramas of life? And uh, so in this chapter, if I could read just a, a little bit of this chapter that, that shows how to do that. May I, please? Oh, please, yes. Okay. So at that very moment, I'm talking about a triggered emotional response where I, 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 I was trying, I didn't know how to unhook from the drama, and I was totally in unconsciousness and reacting. But something happened. I literally just chose to unhook, and I was able to observe flurry of emotions occurring within my mind from a station of stable awareness outside of it. And at that very moment, I knew that my lower mind was contained within a higher, aware, and loving mind. I no longer had to defend myself or prove I was right and the other person was wrong because I knew that in my core, I wasn't alone within myself. In stretching your mind, you give your defended self a safe place in which to land Fire receives water. 
So whenever your emotions are rising high in the middle of a disagreement, do this. Step one, breathe slowly and naturally into your belly and bring your attention from yourself to your soul by by mentally identifying with your silent witness rather than with your annoyed ego. And then tell yourself in step two that your problem is not about the other person. In step three, take responsibility for any negative thoughts and feelings that happen to be arising within you. Step four, tell yourself that it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, says, or does. All that matters right now is the knowledge that when you are in the clutches of your own material mind, you are captive. And when you are led by your soul mind, on the other hand, you are free, free to respond in a hundred different ways. And then it goes on in terms of if things really are out of hand and uh, one and that's not working, you know, then then what do we do next? So it uh, it, it's a kind of uh, owner's manual for the soul in the sense that, you know, if, if, if whatever seems to be happening in your life, whether uh, uh, it's a loss that you have had of some sort or there's a struggle that you're having with connecting in a relationship or a struggle with loneliness um, that or struggle with a career or what you wish to do next, that these yogas are, uh, I try to design as a way of helping practically through the meditative and visualizing process to problem solve. Problem solve not with the material mind, but to problem solve with the soul. Very nice. The It, it gives you a, a place of comfort, really. I mean... It, it takes the tempest out of the storm as you um, rebuild and, and reconnect with your soul. And as you go through this journey and through, through these, the wonderful practices you have in your book, to bring your soul into your everyday life brings a, a, a very deep sense of understanding and, and tolerance. A uh, very deep sense of personal acceptance, of per- personal purpose. That I think a, a lot of people are. Um, we've had so many bumps in the road. We've had so many bumps in the collective mm. consciousness to mm. learn how to take to to traverse these inevitable changes that are coming down the pike with less turmoil, with less upheaval, and kind of smooth out the road so we can be more intentional about our, our, the direction we're going, what we intend to create, and we don't get so distracted and turned on our heads by, the, by what's happening outside of us, if you will, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. And, and I think once we can... Once we can get to the self-acceptance, you know, we we have this material mind, you know, that that can cause a lot of problems the, with the ego, and if the soul can, the soul accepts the material mind. It doesn't judge it, doesn't criticize it. It says, okay, what are you really trying to accomplish? You need my help because I can really help you here. And once we can let the soul sort of take charge, you know, Saint Augustine once said that the Ego is a great servant, but a terrible master. Right. Uh, you know, once we can let the, that higher consciousness, the soul, which is our higher individualized consciousness, uh, take over, not only do we accept ourselves, not only do we actually forge a pathway that is meaningful, and we really get back on track with our purpose, with our overriding purpose, or to at least seek to find it, an amazing thing happens, Les, and I know that you know this, that we begin to accept others so easily. It doesn't matter. We're not judging other people because we realize we're just all souls. You know, Zen mind, beginner's mind. We're all souls. Some of us are more conscious than others. But I wouldn't go into a, to a, a kindergarten class and uh, begin 
you know, looking at the students and saying, what are you doing here? You know, you need to be uh, in fifth grade right now or you need to be in high school. And of course not. I wouldn't be doing that. In fact, if I have half a brain and, I have, and I'm connected to my soul, I'm going to be learning in this kindergarten class. I'm going to be sitting right down next to these students and going, so what, what are you seeing today? So it, it, it's, it's about falling more in love with the fact that we all are struggling here in this world. And so as that first touch of the soul in my book starts with kindness, Les, you used a beautiful word. You said understanding. We move from kindness to understanding, understanding ourselves, understanding one another, and then from understanding, maybe at some point we can reach the apex of understanding, which is true compassionate, you know, compassionate love, infinite love that is unconditional and non-judgmental and imparts the energy, not only of positivity, but the energy of love to, to all others, to all, uh, to all creation, to all creatures. And this is something that happens. Why? It's not, it's not this magical formula. It's not a cute phrase. We see the other as ourselves. We see the other as an aspect of ourselves. There's, there's, there's no longer this absolute division, is there? Oh, so no. the last thing we would want to do is be judgmental to another because we, we would be judgmental to ourselves. And we don't want to be judgmental to ourselves because then we'd be judgmental to another. And that's the great okay. yoga, life as yoga, of unifying what is divided and that is what I, if I wanted to bring any message tonight, it would be let us not divide. Let's don't be dividers. That's the path of the material mind. But be unifiers. And that is the path of the mind of the soul. It's reintegration of everywhere we become divided. We don't we yes. don't heal by by staying separate. We heal by reintegration. You know the I think the ego can really get um, frustrated and uh, and fatigued and kind of worn out when it tries to navigate the storm at the helm from the ego's perspective. There's just not that much information <laughs> that's available to the ego. Yeah. When the whole yes. planet is set on its head, and and there's a sense of relief that happens, a sense of mm. oh my God, I've got I've got this higher perspective in me, I've got this higher wisdom in me. Um, there's a real value in in yeah, I I see it kind of like a, a, a Muscle. If you don't use the muscle until you need it, and then the connection with the muscle is weak, and it's a challenge. But if you if you develop a relationship with the muscle, and when you need to use it, it you're familiar with it. And I uh, use that metaphor as a relationship with our soul. In that, yes, when we bump up yes. when we bump into something, we're like 2020, where everything's turned on its head. And we can't mm-hmm. see anything on the horizon that makes any sense to us. If that's the first time in our life that we've ever gone to our soul with questions, there, there can be a, a lost in translation kind of effect because the, mm-hmm. the ego mind is linear and the soul is nonlinear. So it really helps that's right. to, that's right. to, de- to develop. Uh, in the calm of the storm as well as the tempest of the storm. That's what I like about your book, Meditations for the Soul. If if you were to just get this book and start doing the practices, you're reconnecting, you're you're developing a deeper communion with this vast, vast part of yourself that knows why you're here, knows your talents, knows your struggles. There's real value in that. And you, that's so true, Les, and you use a, a great metaphor, the metaphor of 
um, strength or, the, or building muscle, and you need training to do that, that what, what any yoga is really about is making us both elastic as well as strong, right? Flexible, but also muscular. And so whether it's a, a hatha yoga or a yoga of the, of, of the body, or it's a yoga of the mind, or a yoga of the heart, it's the elasticity and the expanding and the flexibility of mind and heart and body that also uh, needs to be strengthened. And that flexibility uh, needs to be uh, muscular as well. And that invigorates us. And the more we're invigorated and the more we do a little training and let that ego problem solved, let, let that ego have its problems solved by the soul, then life becomes much not only easier, but we become more elastic, we become more flexible, and we also become stronger. Nice. And it's a, it's a strange paradox of the soul, because the soul's strength, in some sense, is its surrender to, to higher consciousness, isn't it, Les? It's, yeah, it's this, this, this making itself available to higher consciousness. It's not this forging that the, that the ego does, because the ego exhausts itself. You're so right. I mean, the ego is just going in circles. I mean, do we want a, a tricycle or do we want a Porsche? If you want a Porsche, connect with your soul. You want a tricycle, stay with your material mind. <laughs> Gotta throw some horsepower in there. I no. I'm <laughs> Gotta throw some horsepower. Why not? <laughs> well, now um, time's going by pretty fast. Uh, so, who did you write this book for? I mean, who's the ideal reader? Oh gosh, the ideal reader is the seeker of 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 all levels. The beginner, intermediate perhaps even the advanced soul will gain from this book. But I, I wrote this book with the struggling seeker in mind. And it, this book came from my heart. I could have written the book with, uh, uh, you know, the 500-page the, the opus with uh, uh, quotes from different languages and different cultures. I know how to do that book. But this book is not at all. It's a little handbook you put in your 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 knapsack uh, I, I, I really wanted to reach with this book a person who doesn't even think they can meditate a person that thinks no when I meditate I think of my thoughts and I can't get, get my thoughts out of my mind and I'm trying to tell them welcome to the meditative life it's okay right. it's not about trying to stop your thoughts just let them be etc and so at some in some ways it's a it's a beginner's book but yet I do have a lot of, and you may have found this when you read uh, uh, in the book, uh, that there are, are also uh, uh, pieces there for uh, practiced uh, meditators who have been uh, meditating for, for a number of years. And so I hope that it can, it, it can be helpful uh, for uh, both aspects of the beginner as well is the intermediate and advanced seeker. I think it's a it's a beautiful book. Like you said, it's small. the The chapters are are, are an easy read. It's not a, um, mm-hmm. a, a difficult thing to read. Now, mm-hmm. it, do you, is there going to be a follow up book to this? I mean. Yes, yes, there is volume two, The Inner Map of the Traveler, where, uh, and that's already been written, but now it's in the editing process right now, uh, and that uh, that goes a bit more deeper with the terrain, uh, the inner map, the terrain of consciousness itself. Well, very nice. It's I think it's it's such a timely, um, a timely book because. Uh, Meditations for the soul is reconnecting yourself with that higher sense of self. Now, yes, um, we've got a few minutes left. I want to make sure the audience understands the whole persona of you. I mean, um, if you work with people, do you work with them online? What services do you have? Where to get your books? Yes. What books do you have? 
Give us the full yes. scope of, of your platform. Well, I'm, I'm a psychotherapist uh, in, in private practice, uh, uh, and you can reach me by – the best way to reach me is through my website, uh, and that is neillundgren.com, N-E-A-L-E-L-U-N-D-G-R-E-N.com. And uh, also my book, Meditations for the Soul, is uh, there on the front page. And I also have a lot of music that I've written and composed over the years uh, since uh, I'm as well a musician. Uh, And uh, there's a lot of wonderful uh, gifts that are there in terms of the music. And uh, there are a lot of articles on the yogas, etc. And so that's that's the, the easiest way to reach me is through the website, uh, neillundgren.com. Well, very nice. Well, um, do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? My, my closing thoughts is, if you're listening tonight, know that you not only have a soul, but you are your soul. Seek and you will find. And... Just give yourself some space, loving space, to go on your journey. Find a helper, find a mentor who is able to be open with you and hold presence with you unconditionally, and you will find your pathway and know that your soul is your greatest asset and you will find your purpose you connect with that deeper aspect of yourself that is your soul, okay? Very nice. Well, All right, Les, um, you have a good evening tonight. Thank you for being our guest. I really enjoyed it. I did too, Les, and you have a wonderful evening tonight. Bye. Bye. We've been talking with Dr. Neil Lundgren, and the topic tonight has been Meditations for the Soul. You know, we've talked many times about the history of of humanity on this planet, and we're certainly at a crossroads with the new narrative, the new direction. Uh, I want to suggest the notion of the past being dictated by our egos. Maybe we've been suffering from ego overdosing where our egos have um, run the show, if you will, and run us into the ground, if you will. I mean, the war and the suffering and the exploitation, et cetera, um, that's the domain of the ego. And now this new chapter of our, our human experience, this new Uh, The rest of our future, I mean, the rest of our future, what a sentence, Um, is to be guided by our heart and our soul, to move our intelligence, to move our consciousness, to move our our wisdom, our our decision-making process out of our heads and and teach our egos to kind of step back and... Teach our egos to listen, to be still and listen to the desires of our heart and our soul. And not only just listen, a a skilled ego steps aside and lets the inspiration and vision of our heart and our soul inspire the ego and guide it in its act like the ego does the last step and the heart and the soul does the first step. What What is the, the narrative today? The heart and the soul brings in inspiration and the ego receives it and brings it into fruition or fulfillment. And it's that flow of inspiration into outward effect inspiration from our heart and soul into outward effect by the actions of our ego. And as humanity learns how to do that, the future will be decided by our heart and our soul. And once we're connected with our heart and our soul, we can't be violent against each other. We exploit each other. 
it's 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 going to change the trajectory to a much more vibrant, sustainable, prosperous, happy future for humanity here on planet Earth. Hey, I want to thank you, the listener. I want to thank you for joining us tonight and showing up for yourself. You've you put some skin in the game. You've you've listened to this episode. So obviously you're growing yourself is important to you. I love the new human living radio platform because I get to talk to people like tonight's guest, Dr. Neil Lundgren. Uh, put us on your calendar every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Always a pleasure. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a new human living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at NewHumanLiving.com. Thanks for listening.